there's parts of it where you excel and other parts where you'll struggle. If I went up to the Fell Racing League in Kendall, they would absolutely annihilate me because they're a different animal. But for me, it's finding that joy in life and then in, in running as well. Welcome back to the Run Alive podcast, the podcast that explores what we can learn through running and how we grow by applying that to other areas of our lives. I'm Ed Perry, and Gary Armstrong is here with me. This week, and for the next three episodes, we're moving away a little from the world of elite sport that our first three guests inhabit, and looking at the pure joy that a running can bring to the amateur, as long as you have it in the right place. And I actually found I just couldn't cope. I was getting overwhelmed, or I would... I would think about everything. So, oh, I can't eat this now because it's four hours before a run and, and then I'll have stomach cramps. And every single run became the biggest thing in the world. And so I'd suddenly gone from this position of this is the thing that gives me life and fun and energy to I am completely and utterly obsessed. For you and I, Ed, and for most people listening to this, we're not elite athletes, but we do, like our guest today, find immense joy in running. We take it seriously, we train hard, and we make great friends through running, but we're never going to the next Olympics. So I think growing up in that elite environment where people genuinely were going to the Olympics, it sort of gave me a, a false uh, direction. So, well, surely I have to work as if I'm going to the Olympics instead of I'm going to run three laps around a park on Saturday morning with 400 other people, you know. With our guest today, we talk about parkrun, the importance of community. We talk about random shot put records on Power of 10 and the performance enhancing power of beetroot juice. But we do also have a serious moment or two. And our guest today is someone who struggled with anxiety and uses running to help cope with that. The, the reason for the anxiety, I think, is often we put ourselves under pressure. I was trying to be the perfect dad, not just being the dad my kids needed. I tried to live uh, possibly a model that was someone else's, and that's always hard. This was truly one of our most enjoyable conversations we've both had for a long time. So we hope you enjoy it too, and perhaps recognise yourself in some of Matt's self-confessed running habits. Ultimately, what we came away with from this conversation was with just a huge sense of joy from the simplicity of running, the thing that we all got into this for. I went thinking I need to prove myself and I ended up realising I needed to be myself. And that was that was a real difference. And I think that's the same in running. Don't try and prove yourself in running, just be yourself and really enjoy everything that running has. If you want to nerd out on stats, go for it. But just left foot, right foot is all you need to start with. Welcome to the Run Alive podcast, Matt Gilder. Hi, I'm Matt Gilder. I, I currently live in Lancaster with my family and I work for Church of England Church where I'm learning to be a vicar, which is called a curate. So I've been doing that for the last few years. But uh, my life is probably summed up with three words, faith, family and running. That's normally what you'll find me doing and often talking about. Matt, welcome to the Run Alive podcast. What makes you come alive? So great question. I love that. That's your first question each week. Uh, for me, uh, my faith has always been really important to me. So faith in Jesus. Um, I think he changes people's lives. When I read about him as a kid, I thought it was interesting. Um, and so I decided to follow him and it led me to, to training to be a vicar. 
Uh, my family, I'm married to Jenny. We met at school over 20 years ago. We've been married for 16 years. Uh, we've got a little boy called Ben, who's 10, so he's probably not that little anymore. And a girl <laughs> called Abby, who eight. And then the rest of the time when I'm not working and when I'm not with my family, I'm probably running, talking about running, or looking at shoes online. Uh, <laughs> to, see, to see if anyone's got a special offer that I can save up for. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it looks like I think we need to get some Run Alive discount codes sorted, uh, especially <laughs> for you. Um, brilliant. Well, uh, running is obviously a big part of your life. Um, but before we dig into those those three things a little bit more, faith, family, and and running, you raced uh, last night, wasn't it? Um, at a local race, the Ripley Supper Run, four miles. How did you get on? Well, it was a good run. It's a local race put on by a school to raise some money. You sort of start in the school field, run around that, then run around the local area, come back in and get a hot pie afterwards. Mm -hmm. So the pie was very good. Uh, my performance was okay. I think I got done on the start line when I realized the two guys next to me were better than me. Uh, mm -hmm. So I came third <laughs> behind the two guys I thought would beat me. Uh, but overall, it was good. I did lead for 200 meters. So I gave it everything I had for as long as I could. Nice. The, the classic <laughs> sprint sprint start tactic. Yeah, I looked like a dad at a race. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, so I, I know you were trying to defend your crown as well. So third place, yeah. a couple of steps down the podium as than a first last year. But it sounds like you had fun. It was a lot of fun. And the year before... It was one of those ones where I was running with people who were about the same standard. So we just all overperformed on the night and had a great day. Uh, where it's last night, the two guys at the front were obviously better. Were you, were you looking at their shoes? <laughs> I've checked out everybody's shoes before the start of the race. My wife often comments on the fact that I'll notice people's shoes before I notice anything else about them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, I'm guilty of the same thing. Because <laughs> uh, we're runners, we do like to geek out a bit on performance, and and I'd like people to also know that you're you're quite a quick curate as well. So last night was about four miles. How long did it take you? So I think last night was twenty three thirty six, something like that. That's nice. But I was pleased because my first mile, I tried to get out there. And then the other three are almost exactly the same. Nice. So whilst I faded a little bit, I didn't completely derail. Yeah. So I held it together. I saw that on Strava. I thought it was good pace management. You were going at 330 kilometers <laughs> across the whole thing, which I tell you, that's uh, for, for anybody listening, that, that's quick running, isn't it? Nice work. And you earned your pie, I reckon. Yes, yeah. The problem I had was I I decided to warm down. So by the time I did a cool down, everyone else was in the hall. So it took me ages to get my pie. I was like, oh, I should have gone and got the pie, put it in my bag, done the warm down, and then got the pie out and just chatted to everyone. Put, but yeah, put, put performance. I'll learn next year. Exactly. Put the pie over the performance next year and do uh... right. Matt, we're going to dive just a little bit into your personal history because you, your family has a bit of history with running. You might want to tell us a bit about that, but it wasn't what you grew up doing. So it, just tell us a little bit about that sort of family history and then what got you into running personally. Yeah, so my dad was actually a runner. Um, he was a teacher, but really he wanted to be a runner. So at sort of uh, English schools level, he was one of the top in the country. He went on to run ridiculous times, so 13.39 for a 5K, which is just madness, and 28.28 for 10K. 
So growing up, we were around elite athletes, but not really knowing. So this bloke Dave came around our house all the time, and it was Dave Moorcroft, <laughs> who you later then watch back on YouTube, breaking 13 minutes, thinking, wow, this, this is an amazing part of history. So, yeah, we grew up around these athletes. Dad was a, an elite athlete. But for me, I, I, I wasn't very good at running, so I tended to just do team sports. I loved football. Grew up in Loughborough, so Leicester City were the, were the team to watch. And so that's what I did. And really, my athletics was sports day, and I would geek out on sports day. I would just be off off the chart. And the same with school cross country. I'd give it a go, but I wouldn't ever really challenge anyone. So I think when you've grown up in that elite environment where everybody's fast or coming first or third or whatever, to then go around in a slow time and come 90th didn't seem that impressive. And, uh, so I came to it later on in life, really. Um, mm. I felt like I'd, I'd had a go at team sports. We were just about to have children. And so I needed a needed something that didn't take as much time was how I sold it to my wife. <laughs> didn't you just, didn't you say it was a New Year's resolution that you just decided you were going to become a runner? Yeah, in 2012, I sat down and thought, right, I'm going to become a runner. I can't do the training for for hockey anymore. I can't make football practice and things like that. I'm just going to be a runner. So I did the whole couch to 5K thing. Uh, started off trying to break the hour for 10K, the 30 minutes for 5K. Worked my way down. And then I got overexcited and started entering races. Uh, aimed for a sub 40. At the time, my dad was still fit enough and good enough to wander around, sort of like a, a pacemaker, passing me things at the right time. <laughs> Though he did take us through the first mile a bit too fast. So I'll, I'll, I'll give him never forgiven that. him. Yeah, I was blowing after the first mile and had five to go. And then, um, yeah, 5K, 10K, and eventually tried to break the 90 minutes just before our little boy was born in 2012 for the half. So that's sort of how it started. Uh, a little boy who watched his dad and loved it wasn't very good at it himself and then realised you don't have to be good at it to do it. Mm. You just have to enjoy it. Yeah. So I, went, I, I became a runner that enjoyed it and then slowly I got better. I was going to ask, so because you, let's let's not mess about, you are actually pretty good at this running thing. So what's that, has, what's that been sort of process been like of getting a bit better at it and has that changed the focus of it a little bit has that changed how you think about it and go about doing it i think it was when i started doing little races and realized if you trained a bit more you get a little bit further up the field or or you get a better time whereas at one point i'd run three times a week because that's what i was told you would do you run one long run one short fast run and something in the middle <laughs> or a session you know and so i followed that little pattern but for me, it's just something I fell in love with. I love being outside anyway, and it's a reason to get outside. Uh, I found that I could have space for my brain, space to pray, space to process the day. Mm. But also, I, I did improve. So it was like, oh, I'm getting better at this. But I didn't have to worry about whether I'd get selected. You know, in a sports team, you're worried mm. about whether you'll get picked because it was just me versus me. And often, they say in athletics, the stopwatch doesn't lie. Mm. So if you're getting better, you'll end up seeing the improvement. But it, it was that clearing of anxiety and something unimportant to focus on yeah. because life is life is important yeah. and running is fun, but it's not that important. So if I ran 5, 521, 541, 541, 541, you know, I know what I did last night. Nobody cares. <laughs> but it was it was fun. So I had a pie and felt felt better about myself. So that's where running ended up for me, just the joy. 
of it, really. Yeah. Something I want to ask about specifically is you clearly work on Sundays. And I've had a, we've had a good look, actually. I was going to say a cheeky look, but we've had a good look at your Power of 10 online. And you clearly enjoy a bit of a park run. Just tell us a little yes. bit about your, your you know, park run being a Saturday thing for those who are listening who don't know. Tell us about your relationship with park run. Yeah, so my brother-in-law, uh, probably around 2013, said, have you heard about park run? I was like, no. He said, there's, oh, there's one in York and Liverpool. So there, there weren't very many at the time. So I went along to the one in Liverpool and it was a free 5K round a park and I did it and loved it. And then slowly parkrun got bigger and bigger when we moved to shrewsbury it started the week we moved there so i almost came in as a bit of a parkrun expert so i i did their uh, inaugural testing event and then carried on going and 220 parkruns later i'm wow. completely wow. and utterly i think it's one of the best things to hit the uk ever for sport um i've done more with the prams when the kids were small but I'm too competitive to have gone through the funnel with the times that it took. <laughs> so, I've got... so on your, that's you, amazing. You've done, you've, you've, there, you've actually done more park runs and it shows. But you were, you were airbrushing your times because you had a pram with. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I've done 220, but I'm sure I've surpassed 250 at least pushing the pram, running with a friend. You know, some days I've ran park run the day before a big race yeah. if I've got a Sunday off. Yeah. And so I never never go through the funnel for those. I'm just chatting to my friends, you know. So um, volunteering, getting involved in a community. Um, I was part of um, a lady wrote a book on park run and she asked me how it was a bit like a religion. Mm. And I said, well, we all turn up and we all know what's happening and other people are invited in. But the big difference for me was it was a great community, but it didn't have Jesus, so it wasn't going to be my faith community. Yeah. But at the minute, most Saturdays, I try and go to Morecambe Park Run if it's not my wife's turn. And then I'm in, in church on Sundays because that's where I find the faith community. Oh, that's um, that's a great story. I love that idea of making sure that, you know, only the fastest times get recorded. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we both laughed because we both have had that thought as well. Whilst, you know, maybe I could just for conveniently forget my barcode <laughs> this this week. <laughs> um, and actually, that's there's a serious point behind behind that, though, because you found you found an outlet. Um, it's this it's your own little world. You know, nobody else really cares about it. Life is the important thing. And running's not that important. It's not a matter of life and death. But on another level, it is it's kind of central to our kind of physical physical and mentally balanced life, which is really important. So tell us a little bit more about your experience of that. Yeah, so I think one of the things I found was I, I found it hard um, just to go along with life, whereas actually I, I actually realized I thrived in routine. Mm. So somebody who thrives in routine, then finding running is a really nice match because you can fit your routine of running around what feels like a busy life. And therefore the running punctuates that life. So today I went out and ran 10 miles along the prom because it's a beautiful day and I know I'm working this evening, but it's just given me that processing space to then come back into work and be able to do the functions. Whereas if I didn't have that space, I don't know quite how I would um, ebb and flow with the pressures of work. 
But for me, it was also making friends, having opportunities to meet new people and finding out more about myself. So one of my uh, sort of funny things about my training is I spend a lot of time training with a lady called Ali. She's my wife's auntie, so we call her Our Ali. Uh, but <laughs> people don't know what Our Ali is. So Our Ali and I, he goes on the bike, I run along, yeah. and we just chat. And yeah. we've covered 16 miles, we've done a long run, we both feel better about life, we both told each other what's gone on and what's not great. And, what's... and then other days... We focus on whether or not I can get a marginal gain out of beetroot juice and, and pointless <laughs> stuff like that. So I think for me, running has given me a space and also allowed me to help others find a space yeah. where they can feel relaxed and and truly alive yeah. um, as part of that. I love what you said there about it having providing that bit of routine and because you know life can feel fractured and chaotic and I found the same as well that having a running training routine gives me some things to sort of hang my life off I think that's a great kind of life lesson it brought to mind something else I think you shared with us which is um you're on a bit of a run streak aren't you in terms of how many days consecutively you run which by the way massive respect because it means you're doing something to kind of manage your resilience as a runner as a person and i imagine also it helps maintain structure because you're not missing days weeks months out with injury what what's is that how you think about where's your streak up to and how do how how do you think about the streak and why do you do it well it started off a bit of a joke really you know i'd see oh can i run every day in a month and can i do better than someone else on strava and then um post london so 2019 london i did that and had a week off and decided oh i might just see how long i can streak for so it's including today it was 1453 days and most of the time that's over a mile um you know and some days it's literally the mile i run to the bus stop and back um in, in as many clothes as i can find because it's either early or late after church sort of thing and it's nothing impressive and other days it's a 15, 16 mile run with Ali on the bike, yeah. you know, and um, it's just been something fun. I think in terms of injury, um, it allows you to just run gently mm. through some of the things that are, are uncomfortable. Whereas in the past, I would stop completely and then I'd seize up. Yeah. So I do feel like I'm a better person after my daily mile, if mm. you like. I've got this image in my mind of a vicar all kind of robed up late at night after having closed the church, running along the prom in Morecambe. I tell you what, I'm happy to film it if you want to come and yeah, have a great fun. The thing I find is I just enjoy it. So at the moment, um, I'll get up and I'll go for a run or I'll, I'll schedule my day around it. Yeah. Um, and that's quite helpful. And I think it does... It helps with my routine, mm. getting out of bed and thinking it's not a run until this evening. These are the jobs I'm going to do before. And it is allowing yourself to have something utterly pointless in your day that you can focus on. Yeah. Um, and that just lifts my lifts my spirits, I think. Brilliant. It, it's really encouraging to hear you talk about uh, where obviously you take running very seriously, but can also describe it as um, something utterly pointless in my day. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a really healthy, a healthy balance, but you've had to work hard at, at that. I think um, getting running in the right place, especially as someone who 
you know, initially probably had a tendency to over commit to it or over analyze it. And talk us through that, that journey a bit. Yeah. So I think when I first started it, I was genuinely just trying to get fit, trying to break that hour and just seeing where it would go running once or twice a week. Whereas um, probably around the time of my daughter's birth, so 2015, I was almost running every day and, and almost running every, every single run really hard. And actually found I just couldn't cope. I was getting overwhelmed or I would I would think about everything. So, oh, I can't eat this now because it's four hours before a run and, and then I'll have stomach cramp. And every single run became the biggest thing in the world. And so I'd suddenly gone from this position of this is the thing that gives me life and fun and energy to I am completely and utterly obsessed. And I think it was a helpful um opportunity to realize that because it whilst it was helping me with my anxiety it became something that i became anxious of mm. so in a time where i was overwhelmed by many things the very thing that could help was getting in the way and so i had to sort of zoom out on my life and i, I had a psychotherapist help me do it and sort of just zoom out and say what's really important your running is your fun thing you've made it not so you're not going to be an Olympic champion. As I think, again, you grow up, you think, I'm going to, at some point, I need to be in the England under-21s for the football. And then you get to 26 and you go, oh, I didn't get in. <laughs> what happened? Or, or you have little things in your head that at some point in your life you will achieve this. And then you go past that stage and you still maybe obsess about it. So I think growing up in that elite environment where people genuinely were going to the Olympics, mm. uh, it sort of gave me a, a false uh, direction. So, well, surely I have to work as if I'm going to the Olympics instead of I'm going to run three laps around a park on Saturday morning <laughs> with 400 other people, you know. Mm. So I found it uh, that the psychotherapist, so talking to somebody really helped just to put it in its place. Running is going to be your fun thing. You can nerd out on it. You can talk nonsense about it, but it can't be something that you get anxious about. Mm. Um, part of that is learning little routines. So I tend to do lay my kit out before I pack my bag and things like that so it doesn't become an anxiety. Although yesterday I did realize I didn't have any safety pins. <gasps> so moments on the race, I was like, oh, no, schoolboy error. But the lady on the desk said you could have these four. So. <laughs> He offered me two, and I said, "Sorry, that won't work. I need one in each corner." Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's those things, you know, where you think, actually, if I can just enjoy this, which is what its purpose was, um, and I can nerd out with people at other times. Yeah. But it can't be a constant. If you get obsessed with it, it will it will own you because we're not Olympians for a reason. Yeah. Matt, you've been re really open and transparent in that answer as well about a few things. One one thing that and maybe surprises me and might surprise others is, you know, you're a member of the clergy, you've got faith. Faith is at the sort of top of the list, right? Married, couple of kids, I'm sure they're lovely and cause you no trouble. But, you know, on, you're, you're healthy and you're happy, great sense of humour. But also you've been really open with us that anxiety is just a fact of life, isn't it? And it's something that we all experience and something that we have to manage. But that might surprise people, especially coming from sort of a, a man of the cloth and, and, and a man of faith. But it's a fact, right? Absolutely. So for me, I think the pressure I'd put myself under at different occasions 
gave me that. I had a borderline anxiety, but it, it overwhelmed me. And so I went along and talked to this person. Um, and I actually felt that within that, God was at work. So God was inviting me to do something different. I'd been a youth worker for 10 years. Um, I'd worked with young people. And now I felt that God was asking me to be a church leader, so a vicar. The problem with that is people like me didn't become vicars. <laughs> you know, the good boys that became vicars, it was all the, the highly academic women who became vicars, whereas actually somebody like me was the youth worker, you know, was this role in the church. So I found something else to be anxious about. But again, talking it through with the right people, being supported through, the the reason for the anxiety, I think, is often we put ourselves under pressure. Mm. I was trying to be the perfect dad, mm. not just being the dad my kids needed. Mm. I tried to live uh, possibly a model that was someone else's, and that's always hard. So I think uh, if we hold our parents in a really good manner, I love my parents, I think they're wonderful, mm. but also I can't be what they were to me. Yeah. So I need to be me to my kids. And I think it's those sorts of things that you need to learn and talking that through with the right people was was really helpful. And then it became a joy to run again because I had that, that sense of the overwhelmed was taken away. Um, but also, I think sometimes if you're if you're in the public spotlight, mm. so as a vicar, I stand in front of, well, as a curate in the Church of England, <laughs> I stand in front of 300 people, 100 people, 50 people at a time, and they're looking at me with certain ideals. So if I'm not them, then there's our anxiety. So part of the Christian faith is to say we're all getting it wrong, but Jesus loves us all, and we're all broken in different ways, but God's fixing us. And so I think part of it is not to allow people, people's models to be over you, but also just be the, the husband you're supposed to be, the dad you're supposed to be, the son you're supposed to be, and hopefully the average runner that you're supposed <laughs> to be as well. Um, and not not fall under your own pressure. Yeah. And I think for me, that has just changed my life over the last couple of years. So nice. I went thinking I need to prove myself and I ended up realizing I needed to be myself. And that was that was a real nice. difference. And I think that's the same in running. Don't try and prove yourself in running. Just be yourself yeah. and really enjoy everything that running has. If you want to nerd out on stats, go for it. Yeah. But just left foot, right foot is all you need to start with. Talking about nerding out on stats, I'm, I'm looking at your power of 10, Matt. <laughs> and um, there's a spectacular performance with the javelin on here. Yes. Uh, 12 metres and 55 centimetres, Matt. Don't forget the 55. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So no. the, the second throw went a lot further, but went belly up. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a weird one. So when I was at Shrewsbury, we had uh, like, it was almost like sports day again, where you go along with the track team and you'd all say what event you wanted to do. And then some team manager would say, ah, oh, we need somebody to do this as well because it gets points for the club. So we got into that club mentality of like, right, everyone gets one event they like, and then we all do something we don't like, and then see, we pass it around. So yeah, on my power of 10, I have a javelin throw, which is less impressive, uh, a shot put of five meters, which yeah, uh, 566 again- 5.66 with the shot. That's as far as I could get it. And they, I did have three goes at that one. Uh, <sighs> And then, yeah, other things like the 100 metres where I was still in the blocks whilst the other lads were halfway down the track. 
um, and things like that. Matt, you've got a system that seems to work for you and really keep running in the right place, anxiety in the right place, make life fun and manageable. What would you say the key lessons you've learned are from becoming a runner? Yeah, I think for me, um, my best running is often done around my most anxious times. So if I find life is going to get stressful, I try and make extra room in the diary to run. So uh, as a vicar, you won't be surprised that Christmas is a busy season. And so at Christmas, I often find myself thinking, right, I need to put that hour off there to run, yeah. make a real focus of it. I also re uh, practice what I'm going to say to people. So uh, we do lots of talks at Christmas. So I, I run them through my head. So I'm running, I'm, I'm getting focused for things. But then often the week after Christmas, when we're off, I get a PB or something because almost like the anxiety has gone, all the hard work has, has been done and you can just live off that experience. So I, I love the Christian message. I believe in it. So Christmas is a real high and then sort of continue on to the local 10Ks. It's just a real joy. Okay. Um, the things I've learned most about running is that just enjoy it. Be mm. uh, If you put some work in, it will get you a long way. Um, if you put too much work in, it will stop you. And so there's this awkward balance that we all have to learn about our bodies. Um, but my sort of own understanding of running is this is something God's invited me to do. There's something I can enjoy about being outside in his presence, running along, talking to him. It's given me uh, friends to talk to. I can list people who I've met in different places based on a race or um, trained with for a season. But it's also that outlet to just focus my mind, something utterly pointless. I often used to say I was a nerd for football manager until I started running. And then somehow I became this awkward, geeky, like running manager. But obviously I, I'm less a performer than my football manager skills. I love it. I love it. There's, that really resonates with me because I, I, I like also geeking out on, on my running. And sometimes it worries me that I find a really well-executed training session that I can go home and geek out on and look at the little bars that they're all the sort of the same height or whatever. I enjoy that more than actually like a race or a really, you know, satisfying running experience. But it's, as you've, as you've been describing it, I, I'm going to kind of reframe that and, and, and use that kind of, it's just a place to sort of let loose that bit of my personality, that bit of my character and let it sort of run free in that space and just enjoy that aspect of it. So that, that, that really resonates. I think the big thing with um, local races is it's okay to fail. So the park run is a great example where you can just go along and see how fast and how long you can run for. And if you're near the front, that's great. If you're not near the front, nobody minds. Yeah. Everyone will cheer you on. We all get the same result, which is a free weekly 5K. Uh, you can volunteer and cheer other people on. Um, so, yeah, I think I had to learn that. I had to learn that it was okay to to not be number one. It was okay to never have a chance of breaking 15 minutes because in your head you go, I can run 100 metres this fast. <laughs> if, I, if I just keep eking it out, maybe I can get round in 15. But, yeah, it, if you're not careful, you miss the joy of the run. We had a, another guest in this series, <clears throat> Alex O'Gorman, who use the great phrase, which is the way you do anything is the way you do everything. So we're kind of quite consistent in our different domains. And I think you're modeling a really positive version of that, which is where you've evolved to is 
the, the approach that you take to running to me feels like a lot of the way that you love to approach life, which is be, be yourself, be authentic, enjoy it, do it well, take it seriously, but you know, don't let it overwhelm you with, with anxiety. And that just made me think about that Alex phrase of the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And that could be really bad, by the way. <laughs> you, know, you could be <laughs> remarkably consistent in, in some ways. It could really bend you out of shape. And it's and uh, Matt, I think you found a great way of being consistent in the way that you run. And it mirrors the sort of joyful approach you like to take to life, I think. Yeah, when I went off to train to be a vicar, somebody bought me a poster that said, choose joy. And I think it was one of those moments where I thought, yeah, actually, for us, we choose joy. So the joy of the Lord is my strength, is that phrase that comes from the Bible. So for me, how can I be somebody of joy? And then where I need to, I can retreat and talk to my wife and say, I'm struggling with this. Or I can talk to somebody else and say, I'm struggling with this. But then I come back into the world ready to share joy, ready to be joy. And so I think sometimes with your running, you need the run on your own where you completely fall apart, have a bit of a whinge, end up walking. And then other days you need the run where everything goes well. You enjoy it. The sun's shining. Not too much, though. And you just feel refreshed by that joy. And some of my best runs have been where I've been in a massive field of people. So there's no pressure to win. There's no pressure to, you know, to be last, but actually just a real enjoyment. Um the other thing is people think when they see you at the front of a race, they think, oh, this person must be used to this. But I've also been in 10,000-meter uh, races on the track where I've been lapped by everyone, and it's only 25 laps. So it's, you know, there is part of running which is – I still enjoyed it. Um, there's parts of it where you excel and other parts where you'll struggle. If I went up to the Fell Racing League in Kendall, they would absolutely annihilate me. Um, because they're a different animal. Yeah. But for me, it's finding that joy in life and then in in running as well. We should have started with this, um, but we're going to end with it instead. Which is, you you were the 2017 2000 meter Shropshire County Steeplechase champion. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I'd like. There is a caveat. How did that not get into your introduction? <laughs> I probably started with I am I have been county champion in the past. I'll shop. <laughs> um, so I moved to Shrewsbury uh, from Merseyside and uh, to do a job. And somebody said, "Why didn't you come along to the athletics track?" I went along, got to know some people, and then I geeked out on the last year's results. So I had a look at the results from. Oh the yeah, year before, that's a dangerous I noticed, thing. I noticed. <laughs> Lots of people did the 800, the 1500. Not many people did the steeplechase or the 3,000 meters. So being competitive, I thought I'll, I'll throw my hat in the ring for the steeplechase. Also, I didn't know how to do it. So <laughs> I've seen it on the telly, loved it, loved it for years, but I thought it'd be easier than it was. So in my garden, I got some um, dowel rod and made a 90 centimetre thing, and I just practised jumping over it for a, a few weeks. <laughs> Amazing. Then when it came to the race, every 100 metres, there's a barrier. So I just jumped with two feet up and over, landed two-footed, then continued running. And I thought this would be a great strategy. Until I got to the water jump, I went up, over, and landed waist height in water, at which point my shorts have gone, my socks are gone, 
<laughs> somebody shouted, you're only meant to put one foot in it. I was like, that's far too late. I'm already fully in. And anyway, I think it was about six and a half laps. And by the last water jump, I went fully submerged, almost chest deep, because I was so <laughs> tired from two-footed jumping that my number got so wet, it fell off into the water. As I came out of the water, I thought, oh, no, I'm sure there's a rule somewhere that says you have to have your number to finish. So I went back into the water, picked it up, and then ran to the finish line holding it. Now, the key part of this information was I was the only runner in the, in the race. And so the whole stadium watched this random chap <laughs> jump every barrier, have a bit of a swim for his number, and eventually, in, in about eight minutes, get round and somehow get the same gold little medal that their little kid had missed out on by a hundredth of a second race of 20. So... Uh, I'm very, very thankful to Shropshire Athletics for allowing me to have a go. And it's on your power of 10 forevermore. Yeah, I might <laughs> change my bio, add it to the bio. Right. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a fun, uh, yeah, such a fun and, and um, joyful conversation. So thank you. I think we, oh, I certainly have uh, recognised a lot of my own personal traits in, in what you've been describing as well. Thank you so much for having me. A pleasure. Yeah, massive thanks. Um, my face is 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 hurting from smiling so much at that at that steeplechase <laughs> story. But as Ed says, you've you've I think covered some really important stuff, but kept it um, really fun, which I just have the feeling is is what it's like to be around you a lot, Matt. So thanks for thanks for sharing your um, stories. Thanks for sharing your faith with us, and thanks for uh, sharing some wisdom and making us laugh. Cheers. I uh, feel very seen uh, after that episode, Gary, because I'm definitely the one checking out people's vapor fries on the start line of every race <laughs> before I check out them themselves. Yeah, that's uh, that's natural. That was wasn't wasn't Matt just like completely? Obviously, he's a human being, but very human, very natural. He gave voice, I think, to a lot of the things that we all we all do in life um, and yeah. and in running life as well, right? <laughs> So much fun just to kind of chat, chat running, club running with him and uh, kind of explore that and how it fits into fits into his life and how he's got those different kind of almost different identities of uh, a curate, trainee vicar, then the runner and then the father. And, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, feel, I, I love that point you made about joy as well. And joy definitely came through uh, through him and in that conversation. I had a lot of fun. He's a guy, I think he is absolutely committed to having fun in everything he does, which um, I don't know that many vicars, excuse me, curates. Um, <laughs> I, do know, I do know a few and I maybe know a couple of vicars as well, but it's a serious job, right? I think a lot of responsibility. He talked, I think, really interestingly, um, there's an element of him being a kind of public sort of person, pu public persona in a way and sort of out there. Um, so remembering to keep it fun and joyful is obviously massive for him. And yeah, I was really struck by his multiple identities and the multiple different communities that he 
belongs to obviously his his faith community and um the running community standing sort of in the foreground mostly but also he's he's a father i'm sure he's got wider family friends other other ways that he defines himself and that that breadth of identity and community really really came through didn't it yeah it really did um and kind of interesting as well the way that he has learned so much stuff over the years and you know dealt with some anxiety but uh, and then kind of went the wrong way with running and got like way too plugged mm-hmm. into it and the stats and that data thing but now seems to kind of have it have it in balance and has yeah just developed that way of life maybe that resilience to make sure that it's all in the right place and it's actually life-giving each part mm-hmm. of his life and each identity that he has there is kind of life-giving to the other yeah absolutely right in fact there's um uh, a really good book. This is not a plug. Uh, it just happens to be a book I've, I've read, which which um, by a guy called um, Bruce Daisley. Um, it's called Fortitude, and it talks about exactly about what what you've just outlined, which is some of the real sources of uh, resilience in our lives are having multiple different identities and belonging to multiple different communities. Um, and and I think Matt models that really well. And 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 actually, he you, you, in something you said a second ago, when he got a little bit too close to the sun in running and got a little bit burnt, that he almost I had the feeling that some of his other identities receded a bit too far into the background. He got a bit a bit mm. too much the runner, and and it and it stopped sort of working for him. But like you say, what came through to to, to, to us today was his ability to hold all those different identities, be in those different communities, and that overall gives him a resilience and a strength, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really does. And actually, I was impacted by what he said about over Christmas and he gets, he tends to PB Mm. to run his best races after Mm. Christmas, which must be his Mm. busiest time of the year. And he must be, in some ways, the most tired. Mm. But he's managed to work out a way that actually, if he's not running, then then something's wrong. So when work and life is at its busiest, that's when he's also running to you know give him the energy and the resilience that he needs to you know continue continue to do a great job and then finishes christmas starts to recover and goes out and smashes a 10k (laughs) which i think a lot of people listening will be like what is he eating and drinking over christmas like that's it yeah obviously it's not like it's not not the rest of of leftovers (laughs) (laughs) but yeah he seems to dial up that other side of himself um his if i call it non-professional side uh, the side that isn't the curate working hard in the church over Christmas, he dials it up, doesn't he? And it sort of buttresses him and gives gives him energy. And, um, you know, the other thing that came through is the other thing that's really helpful for resilience is having a sense of control over your life. Um, mm-hmm. When when we all start to lose that that's, that, that's really sort of damaging for your mental health. And we've probably both experienced this. You can get a bit of that through running, right? You can plan the schedule, you can build around it, you can plan the workout and sort of go and do it. Um, so I'm sort of seeing that bit come through as well as having those different identities. And I think that's our sort of, um, I guess, light challenge to people this week in terms of a go and do, right? Is It's around community, I think. Yeah, I think so. You know, thinking about developing those different identities as a, as a form of resilience. And I think what we want to say, and it's not a big exercise this week, it's more of a thought or a challenge, but just to think to yourself, what are the communities uh, and what are the different identities that I have in my life through those communities? And maybe which ones have I not been paying attention to? Or do I not quite have in the right balance? Or 
where what would do me good to really plug into this week and just go do that go spend some time with those people go let that refresh you and rebalance you yeah and i love what you said there actually about plugging in give my encouragement would be give yourself permission to sort of plug in because you'll be the right shape for that thing go go and be in that community it's what you're you're the one they're missing maybe and just revel in it and and let it re-energize you and not be the other person maybe you're not going to be the colleague or the leader or the mum or the dad or the sister or the brother or whoever and and go and be someone else for 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 a little bit and take the energy back into the rest of life that would be cool gary matt mentioned he won a pie for his race what's your best What's your best prize uh, that you've ever won for a race? So best prize I ever um, won in running. I'm sorry, it's a duathlon story. Um, But I did manage to make it to the European duathlon championships in my age group a few years ago. And slightly oddly, one of the things we got was this ginormous reusable shopping bag for a, it was in Spain. And the Spanish supermarket was clearly somehow a partner or a sponsor. We got this ginormous reusable shopping bag. Um, It's lasted about six or seven years, and we keep the family's wellies in it. It's like it's part of the. I know it's part of the family, and um, every time we pack and unpack the wellies and we take them up, you know, to and from Cornwall or the Lake District, I get to remember the 2016 European Duathlon Championships. (laughs) I love the idea of going for a run and winning a bag that you can use to cart wellies around the Lake District for six years afterwards. That is a good day out, Gary. Well done. It's, it's, it's what we do it for, isn't it? The personal best and the reusable <laughs> shopping bags. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, let us know about your best prizes. Let us know um, what Matt said that spoke to you. You can connect, connect with us on Instagram. Uh, at run underscore alive or linkedin the run alive podcast check out our website for all of the episodes all the get and the go do's from previous weeks and we'll see you next week on the run alive podcast Bye.